Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. We're back, baby. It's the Horns Up Talking Texas podcast. Fisher, Tisopolis, DJ, Nikki, Snacks, Kreider, Gentlemen. It's a bit of a somber day once again. Bo Davis is leaving for the same position for the LSU Tigers. A, something we knew would happen. You know, it's not too big of a surprise. It's his alma mater. Um, so going there and coaching at LSU is not too big of a shock, but we hate to see him go. He's such a massive piece of our culture, coaching staff, of course. Um, the work he did with Sweat and Murphy this year was, was very heralded. We could all remember his, you know, epic rant that was uh, recorded, which was a whole separate issue we discussed on the bus. Um, and many people point to that as like a big culture change for the Texas Longhorns. So Big Bo was again like brought a professional attitude. Was a professional coach in the NFL, and and he really brought it every single day. And you know it was a massive part to getting us where we are today. And you know I think he did his job as a Texas Longhorn. And obviously we would have loved to keep him, but we have a new co-defensive coordinator coming in from Arizona. We have PK. We lost Choate. I'm sure we'll bring somebody else in. Um, under those two at the defensive coordinator spots. And, you know, we'll try to replace them. And that's all you can do. This, again, is the problem of being on top. Like, you're going to lose guys, right? You're going to lose coaches. You're going to lose players. We lost A.D. Mitchell to the draft, which I know we were holding out hope for him to stay. Unfortunately, he'll be leaving and he'll be going pro, which, again, you know, makes sense for him. He's a guy that could be a late first-round pick, early second-round pick. And, you know, we only hope for the best. And he gave it all he got. He, he there's It's not a coincidence that he won back-to-back national championships and that we got to the college football playoff. He helped bring a winning culture i think from georgia over to the university of texas and was big for quinn's development and big for xavier worthy's development having a good number one across from him or code number one across from him so both those guys on their way um what are your guys initial thoughts on Bo, ad and maybe the impact they had in our program i mean we'll start off with Bo. um the fact that he was able to turn you know, three-star Tavondre Sweat into an outland winner and, you know, potentially being a first to second round draft pick in the NFL and Byron Murphy, you know, both guys being rated tops of PFF, um, you know, in, in all of college football. Um, it's, it's awesome. And I, I am sad that he's leaving, but, you know, the fact that Alfred Collins had as much time with him as possible and he's returning for one more year, you know, the effect has already been done. It's already set in, you know, we're, I don't think he's going to lose what's been passed down to him from Bo Davis. And hopefully he retains that information and that mentality and that culture and brings it to his game this year. Um, and then whoever steps in, you know, I think it, it's going to be the right decision. You know I mean? At the end of the day, like it's a position, it's a position coach. It's not a coordinator. So, it, you know, it, it does set a different tone as far as culture goes, but ultimately like position coaches, they are there to, to kind of establish a bond and a brotherhood and um, you know, just like a, a mentality within a position group. And so our wide receiver room, our running back with the shard choice, you know, our, our defensive lineman um, ultimately what sets the tone for that is the players themselves. You know I mean? Yes. Choice is an amazing coach. Yes. Bo Davis is great, but the running back room is talented because of Jonathan Brooks and CJ Baxter and Jaden blue and B John Robinson, you know, 
the players are the ones that make the biggest impact. And so I, I'm at the end of the day, like, you know, you need a guy who's going to be vocal and be a guy that is bringing these players together, but I'm confident with what we have. And I think that whoever steps in is, is lucky to be the Texas defensive line coach. Yeah. It's a very desirable job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it makes it that much easier of a pill to swallow when he's going to his former alma mater, right? He's sure, getting personal. He's getting paid more than he was at Texas. We were paying him one million a year. His uh, salary starts off at one point two five million next year. He also gets to coach his son, which we heard was one of the biggest factors um, in his decision making. His son is also named Bo, but it's not B O. It's B A U B E A U, which to me is a massive indicator that he was headed to LSU to coach there at some point, right? He no X though. No No X. X. That's, that's very, very true. But I think he was a running Victorian defensive line, uh, grad transfer from Southeastern Louisiana. Yeah. And I think just by way of the, the transferring rules, he can get to LSU in January as opposed to, sorry, he can get to, he can get to LSU this semester as opposed to the 40 acres. He would have been able to, um, get to Austin in May by way of whichever rules, which like, I don't know. They're so confusing at this point. It's hard to keep track of them, <laughs> yeah, but he wants, to, to he wants to coach his son. Right. And, and you understand that. And so, um, yeah, tip of the cap to him and all the work that he did. I mean, he was, he was crucial in building this culture, but now we just hope that the culture that was established from the top down with, with Sark. And of course, you know, worth mentioning CDC in there as well. Um, cause he's obviously a part of all of those hires, you know, we, we'll, we'll still bring someone else in. And I love that we have that culture established already. One name that I'd like to throw out there is Frank Ocam, who was a defensive lineman in the, in the two thousands for the horns. He most recently um, was a D line coach at Toledo in Ohio, but he's been the coach at, at Baylor. He coached for the Panthers for two years. Um, he's, he's been all over, but well, I mean, Josh, you made that face, but Brian Burns, he coached Brian. No, nah, no, nah, I just made the face of the Panthers. They're they actually have players. Derek Brown and Brian Burns are good players. Yeah. But the, the Panthers organization organization stinks. So that's and why I, I make most, the bleak face. Most importantly, he was with the Texas Longhorns during the Mac Brown era when we were winning, competing for Big Twelve championships, competing for national championships year in, year out. So he knows what it takes. And uh I think he'd be a great guy to to bring back onto the 40 acres. We've already got Gideon in there. You know, we've got we've Huff. got former Longhorns on the staff, and and I love more former Longhorns join rejoining. Right, that's always yeah. that's always cool. So that's a guy I just wanted to throw out there as a potential. That's great. I mean, we obviously love solutions and you know names being thrown out, and we also have like look PK. I know he's one of the co defensive coordinators now with Nansen, and now they're kind of splitting those duties. I guess will be will be the case. We'll have to see how all that plays out. But he coached the D line. He was a former D lineman. He coached the D line from his beginning years as a head coach up until '09. So he he's there to lend a hand. Uh, he was also the linebackers coach this year, so they can move him around a little bit. And then Nansen, we've been told, you know, he he's going to help out in the defensive line as well. And, and that's why you have these types of guys in their roles. You know, and that's why you have co-defensive coordinators, everyone's splitting duties, and you want as many great minds in the building as humanly possible. Like we've we've heralded Alabama in the past for being great, and we've heralded Alabama, you know, for having and you know giving second chances to even guys like Sark, Bill O'Brien, you know, and bringing the best minds they possibly can and seeing how all these dudes work together, even our former head coach, Chuck Strong. On the, th- the back of AD Mitchell, you know, again, it would have been great to see him back. I, I wasn't, you know, holding my breath. I don't think any of us were. Um, but I mean, we were as aggressive as we are in the transfer portal because we knew, we knew. he's gone. 
there's no surprises. Like, look, going into the season, best case scenario, J- Jatavian, AD, Xavier, even Brooks, they were good, and maybe even Quinn were going to get drafted. Like, that's like at the end of the day is what you want. You want your players to be successful. You want these guys to play their best ball. And it's almost a blessing that we have majors and we have Ewers and we have Alfred Collins back. Like we lost a lot, but we could have lost more. Yeah. And by and large, we've discussed it. We're a pretty young, we're as a whole, we're a pretty young team. Yeah. And I think as well, like having those guys come back for their senior years or even sometimes their fifth years, they probably look around the rest of the locker room and the rest of the rest of the roster and they see that there's holes in, in veteran leadership. And every year, like it's an honor to be a leader of a team. It's an honor to be a captain. Like when I was there playing as a walk-on, like, you know, my senior leaders were Malcolm Brown, both Malcolm Browns, um, <laughs> you know, uh, pretty funny. Which ones do you like better? <laughs> uh, it's like picking a favorite child, you know, can't do it. Um, you know, Quandre Diggs, like uh, Jordan Hicks, like those are guys, you know, that ended up playing in the league. And I think that also just like, you know, that gives you a lot of veteran presence that you can pass down to younger players and also mature a little bit more for when you do get to the league. Um, and I think it's really great that, you know, Gabenda's coming back. And as we mentioned, Jake Majors and Alfred Collins, like these are guys that need that didn't need to come back, but you know, they're doing it because they, they, they feel like they need to be the veteran leaders and prove themselves a little bit more. And, you know, as we head to the sec, you need that culture. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm, I'm really happy that these are the guys that are making their way back, but to go back on AD Mitchell, Look, we have been as aggressive as we have been in this transfer portal going after multiple wide receivers because we knew, you know, like at the end of the day, like, yes, we have very intriguing young guys coming in like Ryan Wingo and John Tate Cook is sophomore and Ryan Niblett and more, um, you know, there's yes. all these athletes, but you still need guys who have put in some good playing time, you know, not, yeah, yeah. not are not coming straight from high school or not coming off of a freshman year where they've only had eight catches. You need a guy like golden who scored two touchdowns on this, like last year, you know, and or last this last season. And you need guys that we're looking at like CJ Daniels, that's gone over for a thousand yards and, and you know, 10 plus touchdowns, you know, and you need guys like that. I, it's just the nature of the beast. So, um, respect to AD, you know, it's fun. Cause you know, in, uh, in Madden, it's not going to say Georgia next to his name where it says college. It's going to say uh, Texas. Yeah. Out of. That's exciting. Yeah. I, I, yeah. You're, and you're right, man. Like, look, and it's all, there's no, also no shame in bringing as many people in the building as possible and seeing like similar to coaching staff and seeing what you got. Like, could, will Daniels have an, a thousand yard season? If we bring, if we had to end up bringing in CJ Daniels, we have a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. But even if he does half that production, hey, that's five scores and 500 yards from the receiver position. If he's our receiver three behind Cook, behind guys like Wingo and Nibba, behind guys like Golden who we're bringing in, who are really you know more and more high on as the days go on and showed out against us, like that's really strong production out of out of our wide receiver three. So you, you don't know how guys are going to fit. You don't know how guys are going to step up. I think A.D. Mitchell stepped up even more than we anticipated coming over from Georgia and, and really amplified his production. Jonathan Brooks this past year stepped up more than we – expected him to especially after the first couple games and filled Bijan robinson's shoes as well as he could have so sark is going to get the most out of his juice i mean out of his get the most juice out of his oranges we, and we've seen it time and time again um <laughs> not juice that, the roster? That there's a lot of juice i wish there was juice wells in the roster but he went to Ole miss that's so all good so again ad mitchell really great career as longhorn although albeit it was for one year he, he did as well as we could have asked and and bo davis was a really big piece in us getting to where we are as a program today and hopefully you know helping 
us jump that next level where we don't revert back to a four or five loss team and we're ever you know going forward worse two loss team um which i still think with our all of our losses seeing who we have back in the building we are in that range of a two loss team and we we spoke about it like how we would have fared against michigan looking at what michigan's got going on and looking at what we're hearing, Harbaugh, it's no lock that he's returning to Ann Arbor. In fact, he may be going to Los Angeles or he may be going to Vegas. He could be going, you know, to the NFL and, and, and taking another crack at, you know, the National Football League after finally getting over the hump and winning the national championship in Michigan. And, yeah. you know, he had been at Stanford too. So, so in with some really great players. So they're losing a bunch of guys. We'll see what happens with McCarthy, but we could be going into Ann Arbor potentially as the favorite. You know, that's how that's how good we're returning guys in the right spots, I do think, on the offensive line and at quarterback. So Georgia at home, I still really think that we're in a position that we're going to be a one or two loss team next year at worst. And Bo Davis is a massive part of that. And I want to say Edie Mitchell is a big part of that, too. Yeah, it it's interesting. <laughs> Just all of the hubbub that happened, like after we lost that game to Washington and the conversations, yeah. Longhorn Twitter, Longhorn Nation within our own show about like who we thought could come back and and who might stay, who might go to the draft. And at the end of the day, like now that pretty much all of the, the chips have fallen, um, it, it's what we, it's what we should have expected, right? Like objectively, I think the guys that were ready to go to the league are going to the league. Like any of the guys no that would have, would have, right. Not really any surprise. And the guys that are staying majors and Collins and, and, and uh, Benda, okay. like, they have room to grow and those guys might've, might've been drafted or they might've been undrafted free agents that had, you know, found themselves on practice squads on NFL teams. I believe they're all NFL caliber players, but now they give themselves a better shot of, of getting higher up in the draft or being drafted. And so I, I love that for those guys. I love that they're staying, they're going to be excellent leaders in the locker room. And I hope that each and every one of them is able to raise their stock significantly. Um, and I think they'll definitely get the opportunity. So it yeah. was, it's just as funny that like everyone's make you know we're like oh can AD stay and it's like realistically like he shouldn't have stayed right was, and that's what he, he did getting, he was ready to go he yeah. was getting mocked in the first round by by like being taken by the Kansas City Chiefs you know at like yeah. the you know top twenty eight to thirty two picks so I look if you're a first round talent you go that's just that's just what it is the guys who are staying like it's almost like they have a prove it here you mm-hmm. know yeah they would have found themselves on a practice squad and. Maybe gone through a bunch of training camps and got cut. Like this is a really big year for them to raise their stock and work their way into consideration. We've seen guys do it. Now, it's funny because if we looked at this team, you know, five, six, seven years ago, we had guys like little Jordan Humphrey that declared a little too early and you know didn't end up getting drafted where he thought he he should have been. And luckily he's still playing the league, but I mean he's not like, you know, by by any purposes, like a star in this league. But for us, he was a big player that I think if he stayed next year, he could have worked his way up and maybe being a second round draft pick and potentially had more value in the NFL than he does right now. But, you know, I just, I think that this is a completely different culture. And at the end of the day, I'm always going to say this when guys go to the league and when they get drafted, it is a success for Texas because that means more players want to come here and and develop their talent here. That's what you want to build. That's the type of program you want to build. There's a reason why Alabama consistently yeah. now guys in the draft and, and, and guys go there. Like, yeah. Oh, Saban's getting old. Like Saban's getting old. He doesn't like NIL. doesn't like transfer portal. Who it, cares? Isn't it, isn't it crazy that like that translates to like a good college football program is yeah. putting players in the NFL. That's wild. Yeah. And it's also like, I think you, it's very interesting. You bring up, you know, LJ, like 
having a guy like Sark who comes from Alabama, like I know he's been like around Washington, USC, but he's most recently, you know, come from Alabama, having guys who are experienced and having a good culture in place actually helps, helps guide guys. So I don't think they're sitting there in a meeting with A.D. Mitchell and being like, dude, we really need you to stay. Like, we'll give you X, Y, and Z and like are desperate. I think there's a lot of conversation looking out for A.D. being like, look, if you want to go, you're going to be a late first round, early second round pick. Good for you. Sure, yeah. If they're be- the benefit of you staying, like, hey, if you even do better than you did this year, top and 15 pick. you could be a top five. Exactly. You could work your way up. So but it's a gamble. Is- it's a gamble. Oh, my God. You also lose stock. You also get hurt. Or you could have yeah. a terrible season. We've like, like if you're going to be a top ten pick, we always say, and like on our other, on our show, other show, the charity stripe. If you're going to be a top ten pick, you go. You don't you're like all right. You don't try to run it back and risk it. Like, but if you're gonna, if you're a late second or late late first round pick, second round pick, and you think you have the juice and you're an underclassman to get up to that first round level, like and lock yourself in there, it can't necessarily hurt you. So I'm sure that's a lot of the conversation that that, AD, that was had with AD. It's like how with JT Sanders and even Worthy. Like that's a lot of what's talked about, and that's like what a part. Part of the culture is is not only you know helping tech the university of texas out but helping all the players that come through that get to the next level and get to the next level at the right pace you know at the end yeah. of the day too like look we we say this all the time in the nfl if you get drafted by a shitty organization that could screw up your development that could screw up your the trajectory of your career where oh, ad is getting mocked right now in that late first round like he could potentially be going to a, a super bowl contender <laughs> exactly like, th- like look you know i know i made a face about the thurs earlier but he, if god forbid 80 goes to carolina and look whenever wherever he gets drafted he'll be happy for him but we're talking about pat mahomes kansas city chiefs or the carolina panthers like you know and we want guys to end up in the right spots too so uh, we're hoping that for the best for these guys we're hoping he ends up you know late first round and again, again if you go to the nfl anything's great um but yeah it's he he really had a really strong career for great production and we'll do our best to replace him internally on to college hoops big 12 cincinnati is in the big 12 i know it's a, gonna be a was a bit jarring for some people strong big 12 team they had two losses coming into this thing like us or you know we had three they had two losses coming into this thing we go to their home court wasn't pretty but DeSue played his strongest and, you know, most efficient game. Uh, and ultimately, Aismas get the game-winning shot, and we, and we won. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, just, I, I like, under, it's a bit of an understatement. I mean, he scored 33 points in this game, Dylan DeSue. Oh, my God. Sure. He was, Hi. Yeah, he yeah. was a, he's a – look, the thing on Dylan DeSue and the thing on the Texas Longhorns basketball team, we said it in our last show, there's so much that has to like from a continuity standpoint, Mitchell's role, even the guys that have returned, Mitchell's role is increased. Hunter's role has changed. You bring in a guy like Ace Smith who has to get acclimated from playing at a small school where he is the absolute focal point of the offense and Oral Roberts, right? To coming here and playing more team basketball. You have guys like Horton, Weaver, Onyema, they're all transfers. Even like Shedrick is like, yeah, he comes from Virginia. It's a great basketball program, but he's a transfer. DeSue, who is, was our best player at the end of last year and is our best player right now, has proven, you know, proven yesterday. He has been working his way back from injury. He only, he's only played six games. He only played half of our games, right? It's the seventh game yeah. yesterday. So there's so much that has to happen. And like, look, do we go into Kansas and we didn't and, and, and beat Bill Self at home? No, we didn't go to Baylor either and beat them on their home court. But Cincinnati ain't no slouch. I think it's a really nice, strong win and all these Big 12 wins. It's a great bounce back win after losing the home opener in the Big 12 to Texas Tech. It's exactly what, you, what we asked for. We have to take care of business on these next three games. And that's step one. Yeah. When a win's a win in my book, and, and they're and they're a solid basketball team. And winning you know? winning on the road is never easy. College no. pros, 
whatever, any way you, you slice it, it's tough to win when you're not playing on your home court. And I think your point about Dessou being our best player is it's, it's really important to me, at least, uh, because you looked at last season and you could have said, cause Dessou missed time last season too. Right. And at times we were saying that Marcus, we were trying to figure out who our best player was a lot of last year, who was going to get mm-hmm. the ball at the very end of the game. And in games, you know, early in the season, it was Marcus Carr. And then it was Timmy Allen at times. Um, and, and Hunter obviously had a really, really strong showing in, in, in the, the NCAA tournament. But in the last month and a half of basketball that the Texas Longhorns played last year, DeSue became our best player. And I think a game like last night is really important for his confidence going forward and for the team to understand as they're fitting into roles, okay, who is our go-to guy, right? And 30-plus and points in college is no easy feat. That is a Huge. big deal. And, uh, and so we just need to kind of acknowledge that going forward. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a huge year for Dylan to because this is not a guy that was being mocked in NBA drafts whatsoever. So this is an opportunity for him to jump up on boards. No, just realistically. No, I know it's like this draft class isn't that strong, like, or like that strong on paper. There's a lot of, there's a lot of fluidity and like, you know, Toss, I'm sure you look at as much as I do. Like there's a different guy being mocked every day at number one. Like there's so much fluidity yeah. in this NBA draft class. I'm not saying Dylan Dessou is going to be the first overall pick, but right, <laughs> what a but world. Yeah, no, but there's a world where he can work his way. If he's like really strong the rest of the season, we make the postseason. First. Yeah, he get in the late first. He's, he's athletic. Yeah. He can, dude, he shot. He went four of ten as a big man from three. He's showing he has that outside outside shot. He's a good. He's a good free throw shooter too, which which helps a lot. Um, just for anyone listening that like doesn't pay a lot of attention to NBA mock drafts, Zach Eady, who is quote unquote the best player in college basketball he was he was given the naismith award last year is mocked at like the 56th spot in the nba draft so late in the second round so that that, that yeah, just goes to show there's not always a direct correlation to college yeah, production, it, yeah. to NBA his, production his style of play doesn't translate to the nba right. i mean he's right. just a big guy that that bullies you know 18 year old kids you <laughs> can't do that you can't do that in the nba no. but, sounds like sounds like toss at la fitness yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> bullying kids. But uh, yeah, with Dessou, I mean, I think he's been challenged a lot in his career with injuries and finally taking a step to get healthy. And it's been great that he's been adding other elements to his game. You know, the three ball wasn't necessarily something that we had been looking at when he came in from Vanderbilt. You know, the biggest thing that we were always looking for was that he was the leader in rebounds in the ICC. And that kind of fell off a little bit when he had his injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, he's starting to work him, him, his way into like just an all around good player. You know, he can do it all. And that's super valuable, especially at this level when, you know, you need a guy who can go out there and dominate with size. So mm-hmm. it, it's, this just shows you like the value in staying sometimes. And yes, I know that he was never really going to be drafted because of the injuries and just because of the productivity, but doesn't matter how everyone develops at different speeds in different, yes, in different, you know, different trajectories. And I think there's just this weird, like mentality in college hoops in the NBA where it's like, all right, 18 years old, 19 years old, like this is my shot. You got to go right away. And like, as young men, you know, you develop to you're like 25 years old. So there could t- totally be late bloomers out there. And I don't know why the NBA is the only sport that sees it that way, because there's guys, you know, that decide to not go the MLB draft at a high school that probably could get drafted. And they go to college instead to develop their talent for three years. There's, I mean, obviously in NFL, you have to go for at least three years. Yeah. But NBA is the only one that's like, all right, 18 years old. And I get that you can kind of see raw 
you know, skill right off the bat when, you know, they're 14, 16 years old, you know, with their basketball IQ and their handles and their shooting ability. But, you know, as a sport that is so athletically driven and, you know, like how high you can jump and how tall you are and how strong you are, like it, it doesn't make a ton of sense, you know? So short, I'm glad the Mitchell's roster. Yeah. I would say know, that's why like the roster is like short in the NBA. Like you only yeah. have 15 spots compared to the 53 in the NFL. Like, so it's a bit tougher for guys to get in there and hang on, but I'm with you. Like they, the, the leash is a lot shorter in the NBA. You have a lot, you have a lot like less chances to get it right in the NBA because they'll send you to the G league. You you get booted to overseas. Like there's a lot of, co- there's so much competition in the NBA to like for guys to stick on the roster yeah. so it's funny you the, say the overseas it's like you're still getting paid like oh yeah I mean, they, those those FIBA, those euros look sweet dude they, go that play at, in greece oh no <laughs> yeah exactly that atmosphere a, a little tzatziki i gotta live in mykonos and play and play basketball for money horrible <sighs> uh it's a very glass half full way to look at it. i love that the what i will say on the last bit on texas hoops defensively and just maybe if like a you know on the court feel, I would love to see some kind of I would love to see Rodney Terry work the lineup where it's Shedrick, Desue, Mitchell. We're playing bigger on at the forwards and, and, and center spot, and then we have Hunter and Acemus. Acemus is a really strong offensive player. I think having Desue out there is going to take and alleviate a lot of the load that he's been carrying offensively. But he's not the defensive he's not the defensive stalwart that Marcus Carr was. And, you know, I think we've lost a little bit of that, but having some length out there with Desue, Shedrick and Mitchell, who's really, you talk about guy coming back and growing his game. Like I, I would love to see Rodney Terry work that rotation in. Uh, I think that'd be pretty beneficial. And I, I, I'd love to see people ease up on Rodney Terry. Like, I think, I don't know. I tell you guys all the time, I'm in a group text where he gets so much flack and it's like, I don't know what people, and first of all, I don't know what people thought we were going to do after he won the big 12 tourney and went to the elite eight, like how, who are we going to bring in? It's not like Calipari and Coach K were waltzing through the door. Like this isn't La La Land, you know, or these or Mark Few or Scott Drew are leaving the programs where they're kicking ass. And he proved to, he, you know, he proved to take over the program. And he's honestly recruited really well for the 2024 recruiting class. Like we've spoken about, it. we have Trey Johnson. Right. We have two yeah. other guys in according to 24 seven sports that are in the top 40. Like he's a pretty good recruiter and he's yeah. brought in some good guys in the transfer portal. So I would love to see him shake up the the lineup a little bit now that Desu's healthy and maybe work Brock Cunningham back to the bench. Um, it's it's tough. I'm just thinking about our rosters. Yeah, you, you'd like to have Asmus and Hunter out there, but you just give up a lot of size. Ton. Um, That's with, why I was trying to guards. throw out. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's tough because Carr had good size, right, for a guard, and we don't we don't really have as good of a shooter as Asmus is. He's in a point guard's body. Um, we don't have mm. like. A Jordan Hawkins type like UConn had last year, where we have a six five, six six guy that can go out there, stretch the floor with his shooting ability. We have, you know, we can we can run that big lineup like you're talking about with Shedrick and Desue and Mitchell, which I think presents a lot of challenges defensively for any team that we're playing. Um in, in their half court offense, they're gonna struggle, but they're gonna attack our guards every single play. And and you know, we're just gonna that's the one thing with with Brock is that he's shown that he can shoot that that spot up three decently well. Um, and obviously like he's going to give full effort on the defensive side. He helps out with the rebounding load. He's just one of those guys where uh, talent wise, sure. He's not the same as some of the other, you know, elite college basketball players, but effort level between the ears, he knows where to be on the court and you never have to question whether or not he's going to dive on the ground for, for a loose ball. Um, he's, he's just going to be on the court. Like that's just the fact of the matter, but we, 
I'm interested to see if our rotation gets a little bit bigger um, through the next few games. We only played eight guys in this in this yeah, game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, we have to do what we have to do to win games. But on the opposite side, Cincinnati played, I think, 10 or 11 guys. So they're, they're still trying things out. Um, maybe that's just confidence in Rodney Terry knowing what the rotation is that he needs for conference play and, and going past that. Um, mm-hmm. in, in which case that's a coach who's exact, who's doing exactly what he needs to do. And Josh, you can tell the haters to, to stuff it. Buzz off. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, gonna hit. it'd be interesting. What's who's our next game on the schedule for. Um, sorry. Let me pull that up for you. I think the next slate of games, uh, Saturday night, Saturday evening. Um, we have, we're at, we're at West Virginia who they're on the down. We have next Wednesday UCF at home before the following Saturday, in which uh, we have the Baylor Bears. I hate them. We, why do we always have Baylor like on a Saturday morning in January? Like I feel like I'm in like a bizarre world where that like it's Groundhog's Day and it happens hey, every year. Not gonna but, happen next year. No, no, it won't. Uh, but Baylor, we have to win those games because Baylor's got some. Do you want to talk about pros, Misi and and Walter? The we, Misi, the big man, and, and Walter, the guard, or Mister Misi is on their team. It's crazy. Evis uh, <laughs> uh, Misi, he's, he's the big man. He's 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 a pretty you know potent prospect, and Jacoby Walter is is pretty dynamite. Um, like similar, you know, to he's a really good scoring guard. He's a really good offensive guard, like Keontae George was, and he was a handful for us last year, and he even have his best game. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a big matchup against Baylor. Luckily, we have them at home to start. I like that. I think the Saturday morn, uh, that game, Hook'em Horns, it's we want to feel like, you know, one of the big blue blood basketball programs. And you think about Duke, UNC, and you think about the fans sleeping overnight in tents before they have to wake up for the next morning's game and then head to the arena, cheer their hoops team on and and uh, hopefully get a W. And, and that's what we'll be hoping for as well. We will see everybody tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And if right? you think that the horns will get the dub, go put your money at betonline.ag. Yeah. BLAV. Get 50% off your welcome bonus. Thanks, Bet Online. Hook them horns. See you, everybody. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.